welcome to the Venture 12 podcast. This mini-series is brought to you in collaboration with the Movement Leaders Collective. The word apostle comes from the word apostello, meaning sent one. Sent to pioneer, innovate, build and develop new and transformative initiatives to spread the Kingdom of God. In five episodes, we get to encounter five women serving in apostolic ministry today. Their challenge has been to compellingly present to you five historical female figures and why they should be entered into the Apostolic Hall of Fame. Five contemporary apostles, five historic apostles, 30 minutes per episode. This is the Apostolic Hall of Fame. Well, welcome to the Venture 12 podcast in collaboration with the Movement Leaders Collective on this mini-series Uh, on um, female apostolic heroes submitting different apostolic heroes to our apostolic hall of fame and I'm very pleased to be introducing Ellen Rupp to our listeners today welcome Ellen would you like to tell us a bit about who you are and whereabouts in the world that you find yourself today hi Emma yes my name is Ellen and I am a recent college graduate Uh, just getting started in this world of church planning and understanding what it means to be an apostolic woman. I am also a newlywed. I'm in my first year of marriage. Um, And a little bit about me, I love designing innovative curriculum uh, that helps bring the story of the Bible to life. I love watching people make connections. I love watching those connections come across their faces. Um, In the world, I am on the east coast of the United States. I am in Pennsylvania, which is between New York City and Washington, D.C. Excellent. Well, we're very pleased to have you, Ellen, and to get to know you today. And you've taken on this challenge to submit an apostolic hero to our apostolic hall of fame. So who have you picked and um, what would you like to tell us about them in your 10 minutes of being able to submit this person to to us all today. Today, I would like to submit to you all uh, Marcella from the fourth century. She is located in Rome. And uh, Marcella, I would describe as playing at the table with the big boys. Uh, She is forming essential Christian doctrine of the early church. Uh, Marcella was a friend of Jerome and a little crash course on Jerome. He's most known for his translation of the Greek Bible into Latin, also known as the Vulgate Bible. And he is the person in history that gives us all of the information we have about about Marcella. We don't have any of her writings, um, but we learn about her through Jerome's letters to Marcella or to others mentioning Marcella. And I also want to credit most of my understanding of Marcella to Lynn Kohick and Amy Brown Hughes from their book, Christian Women in the Patristic World. Uh, It's a fantastic book for realizing that the world of early Christian women is not as small as you think it is. Um, They present at least 10 women in their book. um, And I had uh, Dr. Amy Hughes as one of my professors in college and uh, she opened up this world for me and I've loved to learn about early Christian women ever since. So back to Marcella, Um, a little background in her life. Her father had passed away when she was widowed very early into her marriage, about I think in the first year of her marriage. 
and she was part of the aristocratic class of um, of Romans. And when she was left widowed, um, she then had lots of financial freedom. Um, but being a woman in that time period, she still needed to submit to some something, someone over her. So she could either choose to remarry or she could choose to submit to Christ as her master. And so she chooses, chooses to submit to Christ instead of remarrying. And she turns her home into a monastery for women. And she's one of the, she's one of the early examples of aristocratic women uh, turning their homes into monasteries and welcoming other women, other widows in, um, uh, but many other women will come along to follow her example. And one of the things I love most about Marcella and why I think she should be included in this category of apostolic women is because of her love for studying scripture. And this isn't just uh, the picture of coffee time with Jesus and a couple highlighters. Um, I picture Marcella being so deeply involved in the text, um, looking at different images across the Bible. Um, for example, uh, I'm, these are just from my own mind, not from Marcel's personal writings or anything, but um, I picture her taking images from the, the Old Testament or tracing covenant throughout the whole Bible and seeing these things come up in the New Testament. Um, I picture her involved in word studies and memorization I think that she knew the Bible inside and out, <laughs> and and she couldn't contain her excitement for it. She shared it with other women, and she was in conversation with Jerome. Um, she was always, Jerome describes her as always asking questions, and that she refused simple answers. Um, and Jerome is one of those characters known for always having lots of words for what he wants to say. And I picture Marcella being the one person in the world that could ask a question of him and then leave him speechless just for a few seconds, <laughs> a few moments, um, where he is left speechless because she is asking the real questions, asking genuine curiosity and um, wanting to go deeper. Uh, when Jerome leaves Rome to go to Jerusalem, uh, he asks Marcella to come with him. She refuses um, and wants to stay where she wants to stay in Rome. And because Jerome has left Rome, someone needs to be that point person for those questions that people would bring to him. And Marcella becomes that point person, um, even though she personally can't have the kind of authority that Jerome had because she is a woman. Uh, she credits a lot of what she will teach to Jerome and to her studying with him. Um, but I'm pretty sure she was really holding her own and <laughs> very much could have held her own. Um, and that, that meant that she was helping to solve disputes about scripture. So when questions came up, uh, she was ready to be the guide in helping to resolve those disputes. And not only did she lead women and teach scripture, but she also contributed to forming the Christian theological identity. In these first few centuries of the early church, we've got some big, 
big questions. <laughs> uh, we've got questions about who God is and who Christ is. Is is he fully man and fully divine? Uh, we've got questions about what is scripture and what what will the canon of scripture look like and how is that going to be formed? Um, and we've got different people on different sides of the arguments and Marcella finds herself also in those conversations. Um, Marcella believes that theology was is not just study, but it is also action. What we believe impacts how we act and how we practice. So there was a there was one specific instance where there was a translation of origin, some of Origen's theological ideas um, that led to some Christians practicing differently that differently than the orthodox understanding of Christian practice was, and she has stepped into that conversation to lead the discussion back to orthodox Christian belief. Um, she saw that the leaders, including bishops, were not interested in trying to solve this debate, and she saw that practice was being affected by these beliefs based on mistranslation or misunderstanding of scripture, and she did not leave that uh, to just figure itself out. She stepped in and led the discussion, and Jerome himself credits her with the victory over that debate. I think Marcella understands that the implications of what we believe have strong consequences on our actions, and that um, our understanding of scripture and our understanding of Christian doctrine are so important to how we practice. And our practice also influences our, our beliefs as well. It's a hand-in-hand discussion um, of faith and life, um, but she saw an opportunity to play a role in forming these doctrines and in forming um, groups of women in understanding scripture, and she took on that role, even though she was one of the first to do it, and she didn't have very many examples before her, um, but she led the way. I think that makes her pretty apostolic. <laughs> um, and just to round out her life story, um, Rome will be under siege at the beginning of the 5th century, and um, Marcella is attacked um, and beaten for gold, but she didn't have gold to give because she had pledged her wealth to the poor. Um, she survives the attack, um, but dies a few months later uh, and is and lives on in Jerome's letters. Oh, she sounds like a really fierce lady, surviving <laughs> both debates and... Um, theological um, discussions and uh, being able to influence the early church in in a really amazing way and uh, yeah. lots of other exciting and, and probably difficult things happening throughout her life as well. What is it about um, Marcella that inspires you in particular as as you're going into church planting and where you find yourself in life at this moment in time? I love I fell in love with Marcella because of her voracious appetite for learning. Um, asking those questions, being attentive. I, I really admire that and I resonate with that a lot myself. And I think Marcella wasn't just interested in getting the right answers um, and being content with that. I think she was um always willing to learn more and know that there was always more to learn. <laughs> Um, and I believe that is also how I approach learning is that I um, 
I enjoy the process of learning and I know that I will continue to develop and have new experiences that will shape what I believe in, what, how I practice my belief. And I think Marcella models that really well. Mm. What is it about exploring scripture in depth and grappling with theological issues that you um, find yourself thriving in or enjoying? I think it's, it's a way that I fall deeper in love with Jesus and, um, and, and, and a deeper way of understanding how God has worked in the world and, and that he will still work in that way or work in ways that I can never imagine. And so I better keep my eyes open to it. Um, I, I think scripture gives me the opportunity to get to know God and it's not just like a past thing. Um, it's, it's very present for me. And I think Marcella felt that as well. Mm. Marcella was obviously one of those women who, like many of the, many of the early um, heroes of faith, were forming communities where they were teaching other women, as, yeah. as you shared. Um, in what way do you think that kind of bringing together of women in community is important today and grappling with the theological issues that are important in our day in a similar way to Marcella grappling with the issues that were really pivotal for the development of the church at that time. There's something about being in community, being face-to-face with other people and their lived experiences that you can't get from being alone with a pile of books, <laughs> um, that theology cannot be simply you and your own thoughts, um, that theology is always about and has always been at its best about conversation and about having more perspectives in the room. And I think having more women in the room is an advantage always. Um, I think that we've had a lot of voices passed down to us um, that are often male. And I think having these voices of women and definitely over the, my lifetime, having seen so many women now be published just as much as men in this world of theology, um, I don't know what I would do without my female professors and um, without the books I've read by females, all the things that they are writing. Um, they're offering a different flavor um, to, to thought. And it's not just based in their femininity. It's also based in race and, and just other lived experiences. Um, because women certainly don't all have the same lived experience. Um, but gathering them together is, is always worth it for discussion and for, um, keeping theology, a a living and dynamic conversation. Mm. And what's it meant to you? Obviously, you you have studied theology. And what is your kind of journey of discovering your own apostolic gifting, maybe through these kind of stories, but also through other people, perhaps? What's, what's that journey of discovering your own gifting looked like? I 
am grateful to have grown up in a home church denomination and gone to a, a Christian college that affirmed women and supported young people in their giftings early on. Uh, it really wasn't, a, there weren't many discussions about what women could or could not do. It was what can we as a body of Christ do together to advance the kingdom. Um, and we didn't need to parse out roles as much because we were going to take on the roles that we were most gifted to, and we were encouraged to do that. Not perfectly, but uh, indefinitely, definitely more than not. Um, and I think for me, because because I grew up in those contexts, I felt like there was there was more freedom um, to be able to try try something out, try uh, teaching in teaching a congregation or teaching an adult Bible study to men and women. Um, I've had couple different church internships and um, all of these people that have mentored me and given me these opportunities have often been so all in for whatever it was I wanted to try. And, um, and there was, there was always guidance and, uh, and careful questions and, and their ideas of, um, yeah, just, <laughs> uh, they, they offered perspective and they offered, um, some helpful guidelines to, to keep in mind. Um, mm-hmm. but they were very embracing of trying something and embracing new visions that they thought would benefit their church. Um, and it was always about partnership, um, and, how it was how how can i help you how can you help me how can we work together and i find that to be really encouraging um and it's only until recently that i've moved to a context that has a has what i feel is a more limited imagination for what women can do and in, in the church in a church setting and uh it's very different for me because i've been in spaces where those questions didn't come up or were not, were not being asked. There were different questions being asked. Um, and so I found that challenging and I've been working through that with lots of different mentors. Um, but they are all encouraging me to stay open and stay curious and continue to follow where Jesus is leading me. And if that is starting something new, like church planning, then that's starting something new. And I haven't been able to shake that idea. So I guess mm-hmm. I'm doing it. Mm. That's really exciting. Um, and how did you first start to think through the idea of, of church planting? How was that kind of idea or longing birthed in you? What did that look like, that process? I knew, I know for myself that I enjoy doing things in innovative ways. I love trying to to tweak things or totally rebuild things. Um, and uh, for a while, for a couple months, I tried to convince myself that, no, I just I just am good at maintaining what's already happening. Um, and that's a very valued skill um, and talent uh, for sure. But it left me, it left me really sad <laughs> um, and left me feeling like I was missing something. And then I was 
um, introduced to a group of uh, women, men and women, all interested in the world of church planning and missional being incarnational. And uh, my imagination was reopened. And I know that I know that when I get excited about something and I can't stop talking about it, <laughs> that it's probably the thing I'm supposed to be doing. And I found myself just constantly thinking about it and wondering. And I spent several months, um, several months asking questions and trying to wrap my mind around what this would look like and what this would mean in my context that doesn't quite see this as something that I can take on as a woman. But, um, but I just feel so excited about it. <laughs> and I just feel this overflow of imagination and vision and um, and ideas of what our community could look like and how um, I, my context, I'm in a large, I'm in a city with a large, large American university. And so in that space, um, I just can't, I, I'm so excited to see all of the ways that students um, will come to understand their gifts and then be sent out into places all around the world. So I see this place as a very sending place um, and I'm excited to be able to um, be a part of a, a church that is going to encourage all people to find their giftings and that we're going to do that together. And we're not going to be the church that we should be until we've all, we're all doing the thing that God wants us to do. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to send each other out. And I think that's really exciting. And how are you um, dealing with some of the challenges, some of the discouragement that comes from those individuals those fractions of the church or the setting you find yourself um in as you're exploring this exciting vision what what what's what's the learning that you're taking away from the um the period that you're finding yourself in now as you're exploring this vision i'm learning a lot about implicit messaging and what it what it looks like when you don't see yourself represented in, in something that you feel called to do. Um, so, so for example, I, I don't necessarily know all the time why a church chooses to not have female Bible study leaders or any females praying or teaching from the front or um, why we only hear about women when they are in administrative supportive roles or in children's ministry. Um, while I can't claim to know why a church chooses that specifically, um, I've noticed that because I can't, because I can tell that the church isn't picturing someone like me in these kinds of spaces. And those are the spaces that I thrive in. Um, I noticed that it makes it makes a difference and they are all amazing people um, and they are pursuing the vision of the kingdom of God that they've been given. And in some ways, it's really meeting people. And I have so much grace and love for that. Um, there's a couple that recently 
started coming to the church that I'm going to. And the, the one woman, she was just pouring out how excited she was to find this community that she'd never found young people in church. This is a church full of young people. Um, mo- mostly young people is the large demographic of this uh-huh. church. And that is, that is rare. And, um, and I was just so I could rejoice with her that she was so excited to have found that demographic and be and find community in it, uh, even while I'm wrestling with how I find my belonging in that community, mm-hmm. or that I might not actually find my belonging in that community, and I will have to make, or I will be led to make something else, um, while also holding love for this community that is reaching young people like I have never seen before. Mm-hmm. And um, you said at the beginning in your introduction that you're newly wed. So how, how um, what does the dynamic between you and your husband look like as you're exploring church planting? Yeah, we came from the same, uh, the same town. <laughs> we went to school together since sixth grade, um, but weren't friends until the end of high school. And uh, we... We had different church experiences growing up, um, but he said part of the reason he was interested in being in a relationship with me was because I was different from the other girls that I um, took leadership and that I enjoyed studying scripture and I was serious about it. And he didn't get to see that from other women in his church. And, And I wonder how much that is a permission thing that that maybe those women don't feel like they can uh, or haven't seen it done. Um, So I don't think that's all to, there's no blame there. Um, But yeah, we've also navigated that he's also a leader and in college, he was a leader of a campus ministry. uh, So we both have this leadership leaning um, and both have very grand visions for things. Um, And we are learning, (laughs) we're learning how to support each other in our different visions, even if we really get excited about ours personally. Um, we know that we very much still consider ourselves a team. Um, and so how is our team going to support this? And how is our team going to support that? Um, and what does our what kind of energy does our team have to pour into these things? We, Our team wants to serve the kingdom of God. And how are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. That's great that you can support one another and to explore these visions together. It's the best thing when you when you have these big conversations together and are able to look towards mm-hmm. the future. As, as apostolic people, that tends to be where we kind of gel and, and um, enjoy life together as well. So it sounds great and great to have a team uh, too. Well, it's yeah. been really, really lovely to chat with you, Ellen, and to get to know you a, a bit more. Really wish you all the best in your endeavours in church planting and uh, seeing your community sent out in mission, especially the young people that you find yourself in community with. Sounds really exciting. Um, and also, we've been introduced to Marcella. We've got to know her a bit more, so added her to the apostolic Hall of Fame and got to hear your apostolic voice as well. So I'm very grateful that you took your time to um, 
chat to me and to be on the Venture 12 podcast in collaboration with Movement Leaders Collective. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> this was the Apostolic Hall of Fame with the Venture 12 podcast in collaboration with the Movement Leaders Collective. Five contemporary apostles, five historical apostles. To enter the poll and have your say on which historical figure is the most deserving of entering the Apostolic Hall of Fame, see the podcast description below. If you like this mini-series and would like to hear more like it, let us know by liking and subscribing and by engaging with us on our social media. This is Emma Cottrell for the Venture 12 podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>